Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 216 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week? This week was a bit of a roller coaster, mm-hmm. some highs and some lows, a lot of good games being played, some big Derby games as well. Uh, one of them didn't go, obviously, in my favor, but uh, grassroots level, local here. We did good, my little guys. We won another game. It was a bit of a trap game playing on some turf. They, uh. weren't, they weren't used to it, and I had a feeling in my stomach when we showed up it was going to be bad, but second half, bounced back, gave a nice pep talk, got the boys going, and then uh, bagged a win, but... Yeah, can't win it with the pros, but I'll do the best with what I got uh, with the little guys. I I will never forget the first time I played on turf. Uh, I think I was in Cherry Hill, which is like an hour away from where we live. And it was the it was the first time that most of us had played on turf. I don't think any of us had played on turf up to U11. And then one of our first games as, you know, full-sized pitch was on was on turf and the ball just skidded around <laughs> everywhere yeah nobody could control like i mean obviously we were 10 11 years old like nobody has any sort of control anyway and you add that on top of it and the the players that we were playing against had grown up playing on that that kind of uh surface and i think we won anyway but it was a challenge very sweaty it's, uh, it's yeah. a huge change for sure yeah, just trying to tell them keep it simple, just play how you normally do, and just be very precise with where you're passing it. Because there's a couple of times where we were building up in the way we want to, we're getting it wide, but it, it was a yard or two ahead of somebody, and they couldn't keep up with the pace of the ball. So just yeah. letting individuals know, just be smart about what you're doing, and we ultimately got the win, which is nice. Yeah, when you get older and you can kind of judge the amount of spin and stuff that you're putting on the ball when you're playing it over the top or, or longer down the wing, it's a little bit easier. But as a kid, I mean, you have zero control over that. And if you just if you hit a dead square, the ball is just going to absolutely sprint uh, forward or out of bounds. That was that was always tough. I remember those days. Um, okay, I suppose, Matt, you can give us the records from last week and then we'll get into recaps. Yeah, it was looking bad for myself and you for early on, but we pulled it back. Evan managed five and five. All I right. went six and I went six and four, and then Zach on top eight and two. Big week for him. What a week! Got got some big results. So we're exactly a hundred games in to the season. Uh, Evan right now third, fifty eight and forty two, fifty eight percent hit rate. Zach sixty one thirty nine, sixty one percent hit rate. And I'm at 64 and 36, 64%. So we're all pretty good. This is probably, without a doubt, the best we've done so far up to this point. But obviously, 28 more weeks to go. A lot of games. 280 games left. Yeah. So a lot of... Uh, we're we're about a quarter of the way through. We've got 280 games left. Um, not factoring in all of the midweek matches and stuff like that that these teams have to play. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, if we continue on this pace, this is uh, quite an impressive season. If you can stay, we say this all the time, especially in the Premier League when there's three true results, um, it is very, very hard to stay above 500. So uh, barring any sort of catastrophe, uh, we should have a pretty good shot at, at maintaining that. Uh, I know I say that now, we'll all wind up way below 500 because uh, that's how these things go, but hopefully that's not the case. Uh, okay, shall we move into the first game? Yeah, let's. All right. Uh, Tottenham 2, Crystal Palace 1. 
Uh, Tottenham went across town to Selhurst Park uh, to take on the Eagles, who are currently struggling without uh, Ebericha Eze and uh, Michael Alise. Those guys will be back soon, uh, but right now they are without those two, who are just such a key part of the offense. Um, this one went the way that everybody expected Tottenham with a win. First goal didn't come until the 53rd minute, an own goal, unfortunately, uh, by Joel Ward. Uh, Sonny, who has just been absolutely magical, latching on to an assist from James Madison. Jesus Christ, there must be an Amber Alert. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Um, did you get that notification as well or no? Yeah, I got the same one 15 oh, minutes ago. Fucking oh, this no. is a different one. Oh, there's two. It's the same one. It's the same one. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, James Madison, <laughs> assist, son in the 66th. Jordan Ayew got one back in the 94th. Um, but too little, too late for Palace. Tottenham controlled the pace for sure. Um, definitely were not as clinical on goal as we've seen them uh, in the past few weeks. They managed almost 80% possession, and they passed the ball with incredible effectiveness. Uh, defended well enough. Uh, I think this is a great result. I mean, Palace are right now not the bogey team that everybody's kind of, you know, that was, we were thinking they were maybe a tough team to go and play, but uh, without those two guys uh, going forward, you know, Palace just are not as, um, you know, threatening or effective. So good result for Tottenham. Uh, still unbeaten in the league. I believe they are uh, on the top of the table with 26 points. Arsenal and City, two points behind them. Uh, Tottenham and Arsenal now the only two undefeated teams in the league. Yeah, this was a bit of a trap game, I thought. Mm -hmm. Short week for Tottenham after a Monday night game. Palace, obviously, a pretty average team in the table, but obviously you mentioned we, we keep bringing up their playmakers are out, so they had to find some goals elsewhere. They left it late. Uh, VAR helped them in Palace's case. Controversial handball, potentially. Uh, but they gave it anyway, which is nice to see. Give it to the offense for once. And then, um, yeah, I mean, this was the most vulnerable we saw in those last 10 minutes. Postacoglu always takes Madison and Sun out with about 10 to 15 minutes left. You don't really see a lot of big managers do that. They keep their star guys on the whole time to secure the result. But... He has strong faith in his overall squad to get it done. We saw a return of Bentoncourt into the side after a long injury. I believe it was an ACL tear or something that held him out for a long while. So him in the midfield will be nice to see behind Basuma and Saar, uh, potentially fighting for his starting rollback. Um, but yeah, it was an overall good result. And Tottenham just keep going. They need to win the games that they must. Uh, especially getting wins on the road is crucial to win a title or put up a title fight. And for Palace's sake, it's just just trying to find a way to earn points uh, before this Christmas window when they get their main guys back and potentially to see if they put, could put in some funds for uh, purchasing somebody in January up front. And I didn't even realize this. That Josh Harris is part of the ownership group and yes. for Palace as well. Yep. He owns like fucking a trillion teams. He's he's a, he's a part of the Palace ownership, the New Jersey Devils, the Sixers, the Commanders, and what am I? What sport am I forgetting? Hockey, probably hockey. Yeah, I don't know who. No, the, oh, no, the, the Devils. Devils. I said yeah, the yeah. Devils. Hockey's the Devil. What's the baseball one? Is he has to be a part of a baseball, right? I'm not sure if he is. I I know. <clears throat> excuse me for certain that he's the majority owner of the commanders, the majority owner of the devils, the majority owner of the Sixers. 
um, and I guess a minority stakeholder in Palace because Steve Parrish, I believe, owns Palace. Yeah, because they were sitting next to each other during mm -hmm. the during the game. I saw they mentioned him. So yep. he gets around and he's he's all in on his teams. He supports them well. So that might be somewhere they need to add funds. Unfortunate own goal for Joe Ward to get them up the bad foot off of Madison Cross. It was tough. But yeah, they just have to find a way. And I believe they get a better matchup this week. They get to travel to Burnley, who haven't won a game at home yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matt, the next game, unfortunate here for you. Luckily, you had Ethan Pennick in fantasy. Brentford 2, Chelsea 0. No. What happened, man? Well, they, they kept on the commentary and the post-match. They kept saying Brentford have now won more games this in the last seven months at Stamford Bridge than Chelsea has. So um, this is going to be a... a, a, on, a an ongoing thing in the next two years until Chelsea go on a massive run and wins to shut everybody up. But yeah, we're going to be clowns here. West London, we can't win. We beat Fulham for once earlier in the year, but now Brentford's just putting us on a, putting us on a leash here. They're finding a way to put us down. The, the midfield was lacking here. Any creativity. We saw Enzo miss out on the game. That was a surprise. Um, Cole Palmer was our main driving force there at the 10. Madueke got a start, which was nice to see. Um, unfortunately, Reese James had come off the bench with a little cameo in the, what was that, the 67th minute. So more than the last game, but still, he's just not not fully fit. Maybe we have to put him in the midfield to keep him more involved in games. But I don't know, man. Robert Sant, I'm just all, let me just start. Oh, the Bob, Bobby Sant, man, not great. Yeah, but first half was pretty stale. It was back and forth. Chelsea do their thing. They hold possession. Brentford went with their five in the back. That's what they usually do against teams they're they're looking to not have much possession against and it worked in their favor here but second half lapse of judgment on the wing we let a ball come in um ethan pinnox creeps in the back post on axel Dezazi's side and tiago silva and heads it home from two yards really set us back push 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 nothing going forward didn't really get too many chances on fleck in um, only two shots on target in total, one from Kukurel and one from Gallagher to Brentford's five. And then uh, I hate when goalies do this. We saw this last year with Emmy Martinez or somebody else I might be confusing with, but the goalie comes up for a corner to get something. I think it was Emmy Martinez. I know what you're talking about. And Brentford counter, Neil Malpai on the counter. Robert Sanchez, I don't know if you want to credit his him having a lot of pace or Neil Mopai is just super slow, but Sanchez catches up. Mopai plays a cut back and uh, and Buemo puts it away. I believe that's three straight games now. He scored at the bridge on us. Um, isn't that offsides? There was nobody behind the ball for Chelsea and Mopai cut it back to Mbuemo. Like I thought that was a rule. Somebody has to, somebody on the opposing team has to be behind the ball on the cutback for him to be on sides. So, so the way that it works is I actually just learned this. If somebody swaps back, like if Sanchez and whoever the last defender would be, would become the essentially the goalkeeper. And yeah. it doesn't, was there somebody in the net? No, nobody it in the an, net. It was an open net. Nobody, Robert Sanchez was the only one that tried to get back. Oh yeah, I don't know. You would think that would be offside, right? If the ball they was were passed. discussing it, VAR was discussing it for like two minutes, and then they credited it. And I just, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered either way. But still, just I don't know. I thought that was the rule, but apparently not. So Thomas Frank owning us, Pochettino. This was a bad beat. Um, a lot of pressure on him now. 
because we're going to this massive run of games um, where now we play Monday night against Tottenham yeah. and it's start it's starting around of fixtures where it's looking pretty bad. Um, we also have a lot of minor injuries too, so there was no Mudrik in this game. Paddy Shields setback, Chukwameka, um, Broya dealing with another knee issue. So we're not there. We got Blackburn tomorrow in the cup, and then we start that run. Um, Tottenham, City, Newcastle, Brighton, Manchester United. So it's hellish. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we're gonna squeak some results here and there. Obviously, Darby's anything can happen. And you need your you need your leaders to step up in these big moments. These guys aren't new to these mo- these um these moments, especially Poch going against his old club in Tottenham. I'm sure it'll be emotional for him and he'll want to have hold one over on the on his former um employers, but yeah, it's just we can't we can't find a way to beat Brentford. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Arsenal five, Sheffield United nil. Uh a beaten, bloody and battered uh blades team goes up in arsenal it goes up against an arsenal team that is just in fantastic form uh unfortunately did only take a point last week against chelsea but uh arsenal came out very very strong in this one pretty much a uh second team starting uh kivior was in there gabriel got the day uh of rest uh smith row in there's a, a little bit of an injury to odegaard just a knock uh, they figured they'd give him a day off havertz was in uh, and then Enketia up top because uh, Gabriel Jesus was injured. And the story really was Enketia the whole way through. Uh, scored in the 28th, scored in the 50th, scored another in the 58th. Easy little hat trick for him there. Uh, all three goals really well worked. I thought the third one was absolutely sensational. Uh, you could tell he he was just really on. Uh, and there's no better team to go and, and just fillet than Sheffield United. So Austin Trusty, uh, Philadelphia uh, native and actually past Arsenal player. He was on the team last year, just didn't get any time. Just got absolutely fucking torched uh, by Nketiah. Saka, they had a tough time dealing with him. Same thing with Martinelli. Smith Rowe, uh, first start in quite a while and was able to register an assist. So that was nice to see. Um, Havertz had a couple of chances, didn't get on the score sheet, unfortunately. And the defense, Ben White and Saliba, just continually. Uh, looking world-class, I think. Uh, ben White's great going forward. Saliba uh, very rarely makes a mistake. I think he's been great. And Raya able to get some confidence back with a clean sheet. Uh, Sheffield United were just terrible. They had zero uh, possession. I think they had 32% of the ball. They only registered two shots. Uh, Arsenal started slow and just felt them out to the point where there was there was no doubt that, that Arsenal would score three, four, five goals. And they were able to just pump this Sheffield team. Great watch. I mean, kind of boring, to be honest with you, uh, outside of the goals, just because Sheffield didn't threaten whatsoever. Uh, but really nice to see because Arsenal needed to jump up a little bit in the goal differential uh, category. I was hoping they would just keep scoring and scoring and scoring because now we're on the same points as City, but we're actually ahead of them on uh, goal differential. And congratulations to Bukayo Saka, who got his first start as Arsenal club captain uh, in place of Martin Odegaard, who was on the bench. Very nice to see. Would you say this is the most underprepared team ever to play in the Premier League? Second, Apparently second worst in history. Um, there's one other team that people keep saying was worse. I forget who it is off the top of my head. Uh, Derby. But, 
Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Actually, I remember that. Um, finished with fourteen points, I think. Yes, I remember that well. Uh, now I think that was what was that two thousand and seven or eight? Something around that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I think this is up there with one of the most just horrific teams I've ever seen. Um, Rian Brewster and Gustavo Hamer up top is just not really going to get anything done. They left Cameron Archer on the bench and then brought him on, I thought, way too late to make an impact. Cameron Archer's been one of the only players that I've seen in a Sheffield shirt really sort of, um, you know, explode forward and play with a little bit of passion, and they just left him on the bench. So this team lacks pace. They lack poise. Um, they, they lack pretty much everything you can imagine, and it's looking like Paul Heckingbottom is on the hot seat. I, I don't know how you still have him as your manager. Um, this is quite easily one of the worst teams I've ever seen. Uh, the Burnley side is making a, a great case as well for how shit they've been, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is a, a bottom three team I've ever seen in the Prem. Yeah, Mc, McBurney was out with a groin injury. He's the only real presence they have up front, but... They've got in all comps this year. They've they played eleven games, ten defeats, and one draw. That draw coming against Everton in the league—that's their only point. They lost in the in the first round of the League Cup to Lincoln City, a, a fourth-tier English side, in penalties. So they're playing in no—they're just playing in the Premier League right now. I don't think a manager change really does anything. Um, and I think worst case, if the new guy comes in and they continue in this form, it's like just misery. It's, there's nothing really you can do with this squad. Obviously, they're dealing with a lot of, of injury issues. They had that unfortunate injury to Basham. Um, Adma Hedgick is out. Max Lowe, John Egan, their leader in the back. They have a lot of defensive injuries. We saw this with Liverpool, but they have the quality up front to get them out of the hole. So they're dealing with a couple injuries here and there. The other core players can't get anything going. It must be miserable in that locker room every week, just going in there and you're facing Arsenal and and Man City and these teams, and there's nothing you can do to get any foothold on the game. And then when guys like Vieira and Tommy Oscar are coming off the bench and scoring on you and just clowning, yeah, it's just, it's just miserable. I feel bad for them. But you're, at the end of the day, this is your job. This is what you grew up wanting to be, and you're in a hard situation. So this is where we really got to see what they're made of and potentially fighting for, for little interviews to get on other teams, potentially new teams that come up next year as well as teams that maybe in January look to them and think maybe we get somebody to bolster the squad that's shown a little bit of something this year. So it's a tough situation for Paul Heck and Bottom and them, but Arsenal show up on the day, they get their three points, and Katia shines, wins me, wins me some money, and and wins me my week in fantasy. So, yeah, all around good uh, with Mikel and them. And... Smith Rowe getting a start. I'm sure you were buzzing about that. I was, yeah. Uh, I really, I love Smith Rowe. I think he's a fantastic player. He's young still. Um, obviously, bringing Odegaard in kind of uh, killed any chance that he would be a, a starting center mid in this team. But I think he's still really solid. And you saw once he started to grow into the game, get some touches, um, and and really, you know, take his time. He was good. I thought he was really good. So. Um, you don't think he can start where Havertz does? No, I think he don't. I think he absolutely can, but I don't think they will just because uh of how much they, they paid for Havertz. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate, but it's Do you great. think he 
Do you think he should have taken that penalty instead of Vieira? Yeah, I would have liked to see Smith Rowe take it, but you know, it is what it is. I, I think Enketi had the ball and he gave it to Vieira. He did, and I don't know why. I have both of those guys on my team, by the way. I have Vieira and I have uh, Smith Rowe. I picked Smith Rowe up because I was starting and I thought he'd have a good game, and he did. So, good stuff. Good stuff for Arsenal. Uh, okay, on to the next. Bournemouth two, Burnley one. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, Bournemouth able to nick it late in the 76th with a Philip Billing long-range banger. Another guy on my fantasy team. Uh, but Burnley opened the scoring in the 11th minute with Charlie Taylor uh, getting on to the end of one. Semenyo tied it up in the 22nd. I think you actually had him on your team uh, and you dropped him, right? No, that was um, Scott. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so 1-1 going late. Um, both of these teams are not very good. Um, possession was split. Pretty much right down the middle. Bournemouth had the better chances, I thought. And I think they have a better team as well. Uh, and definitely a better, you know, sort of situation on the bench. More players to bring off uh, and put on. With Sinistera and guys like Utara, uh, even Milos Kerkes and Justin Clivert. I think those are good players. They just haven't had, you know, a great start to the season. Um, but really, really good play from uh, Philip Billing in this one. Nice to see him. He's been pretty, pretty decent in the past couple of weeks. Uh, he's got a couple of assists and a goal, I think, now. 2-1 uh, final score. Not a great watch, to be fair, uh, but a very good result for Bournemouth and Iriola, who was just, everybody was certain that he'd be gone uh, after this game if he didn't get the result. So, unfortunate for Burnley. They're now in 19th on four points. Bournemouth move out of the relegation zone. They are in 17th on six points. Really went against my agenda there, pushing Bournemouth down in the in the relegation hole. But uh, eventually, blind squirrels got to find a nut, um, and this was that that moment for them against uh, an underwhelming Burnley team who had a couple late injuries there. Lyle Falster, their main attacking threat, was a scratch on the day, picked up a illness or something late on, and also born Bur- uh, excuse me, Burn- Bournemouth had an injury to Neto in goal for them, club captain. He has an ankle issue, so he's out for the month. So we saw a backup come in in Radu, who I think they loaned in from Italy for the year. So, yeah, I mean, Semenyo, big moment for him, picked the ball up early, and then individual moment for him. And then I think it wasn't Trafford off his line for that billing goal. Billing scored like 35 out. Yeah, he was way off from his line. I mean, it was a lovely strike, but he he was not in position, to be fair. Yeah, we, we had very high hopes for Vincent and company in this Burnley team. Obviously, both of us thinking they'd finish mid-table comfortably, but completely, completely wrong there. Uh, all three promoted teams are now in the relegation zone, which the past five to six years, we haven't seen more than one if two promoted teams get sent back down right away. But it's looking very scary at this moment. There are We're in a better position than last year, I would say, where last year there were about seven to eight teams for most of the year that were really poor. Now, I would say there's maybe four, five, maybe tops that you would say you see you're going to play them and you're like, that's a win. Yeah. Um, Nine times out of ten. So, yeah, I don't know. I think company is really seeing the other side of the Premier League and how how it tears people down. He's seen as a player now. He's getting the management side of it, and it's it's even crueler than as a player. Um, even more pressure on you. You have to everything you do is going to be criticized, and now it's just they're playing this four three three system, and it's not really working for them. So potentially, does he have to 
change his philosophy uh, to save his job and also save the club and turn some results into in some positives. But yeah, I mean, you can't be losing to this born uh, Bur- Jesus Bournemouth team. Yeah, uh, massive six pointer. They're also struggling, but they've they've been resolute in how they play. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Burnley goes from here. I think they host. I already mentioned they host Palace, who are a perfect team to play against. They're also struggling to score, so it's going to be another six-pointer, really. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, let's move on. Wolves 2, Newcastle 2. Newcastle gifted a point in this one following a penalty that that is just never given, should never be given. Even Alan Shearer, Newcastle's biggest supporter, said it shouldn't uh, have been given. Wilson in the 22nd. Uh, and then Mario Lamina struck back in the 36th. Wilson with that penalty that I just mentioned uh, in stoppage time of the first half, 49th minute. Uh, they went into the half 2-1, but Huang He Chan, who has been fantastic, honestly, this season, uh, got another goal back in the 71st. Ends 2-2. Really hard-fought game, I thought, from both teams, but I have to give the edge to Wolves. I think... I don't know. I don't want to say that they're they're turning the corner and they're interesting to watch uh, every week, but they genuinely have been much much better this year. I think Cunha has been uh, very solid, despite not being a player that scores a ton of goals or, or even registers a ton of assists. Wang He Chan, who I was I was really excited about when he came in uh, from Leipzig, however many years ago, is finally starting to hit his stride. Uh, Neto has been fantastic and the two guys at the back, Max Kilman and Craig Dawson, we have to give them credit. Uh, while Callum Wilson may have kind of filleted them a little bit in this one, they've been very, very good. Uh, they neutralized Gordon and Almiron on the wings and a lot of the play had to go through Guimaraes and, and Wilson in this one. Uh, I, I was very impressed, honestly, by how Wolves lined up. This is a Newcastle team who is very, very good this year. They're in sixth place on 17 points. Uh, they do have three losses somehow, but they've got quite a few wins. Uh, they are doing well enough in, in the, the Champions League. They did lose to Dortmund, I think, last week, but uh, just battered PSG at St. James Park. This is a good side, and Wolves did extremely well to get one point. Uh, they probably deserve three, to be fair. Uh, but I was thoroughly impressed with the way Wolves played. Unfortunate for Wolves, their talisman and Neto and that's had so a hurt. big hamstring injury, so he's set to be out for at least a month. So now we're going to see. I think we're going to see similar to a Palace situation where you lose one of your main creative forces, and now it's going to take a hit on them offensively. And you mentioned their defense has been solid, but they've only had one clean sheet so far this year, and. It, it hasn't been good otherwise, so I don't know. Huang He Chan has been a bright spot. I think he has a goal return in almost every game this year he's played in. Cunha's a nice partner for him, but um, on the other side, Newcastle, I've, we're seeing the cracks now that they're in the thick of it with League Cup tomorrow, Champions League the following week, and Premier League games on the weekends. Their squad's taking some hits. Isak's currently out. Tanali's done for the year for for gambling. Um, Sven Botman's out for an extended period of time. So we're seeing we're seeing the cracks here and there for them with the squad depth and all the competitions and the backups can't do as good of a job. Nick Pope has had some big mistakes throughout this year as well. He hasn't been doing as good. 
So I think we're going to see some drop points here and there, and that's ultimately what's going to keep them out of that top four race that we both believe they were at the start of the year. So, yeah, two teams even on the day, but I think long-term now they're starting to get their injuries here and there with fixture congestion, and Newcastle now after tomorrow when they I think they play Man United in the League Cup. Yes. They have, they have to host Arsenal on the weekend, and... So far, all the really good teams they played this year, Brighton, Liverpool, City, they lost to. So I think that might be another one coming for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next game. Uh, Matt, tell us about West Ham nil, Everton one. Shock result here. Yeah, it was a it was a sad day. I believe that Everton's owner and Kent Wright, uh, or Chairman Pertman, for a long time passed away. So. Obviously, we say with the NFL, when um, an owner or something, somebody dear to the club passes away, the everybody plays better, and, and it just worked in their favor here. Davin Moyes being a longtime manager of the club for 11 years with Everton also felt the pain and gave them the win. But no, but I don't know. This West Ham team, it was just pretty stale. We always see in the first half, they play very underwhelming ball. The fans get upset at, like early on in the games, too, where they're not really going after the other team, and they're just playing very passive, and it costs them. So, nil-nil in the first half. We saw a couple cards flying. Um, Kudus got into a bit of a heat. He put, got tackled, went down easily. A scuffle started. Ref had to come in. Pickford leans over Kudus and starts just pointing his finger and screaming at him. Kudus immediately gets up, get, cuts the act, and then they both get carded. Um, that was the highlight of the first half. And then start of the second half, Everton on a nice counter. Uh, Jack Harrison plays DCL. DCL beats Kazuma 101, puts it in the bottom corner easily. And that ultimately decided it. And I believe that was his 50th goal for Everton. Um, capped it off there on, the, on a great day. Piquetta and Edson Alvarez picked up cards in the second half. Both of them are now suspended for their next match against Brentford, which is going to be really costly. Both those guys are key to how they play. And ultimately, that was it for there. Everton held down, locked down the fort. Tarkowski and Braithwaite are turned into a great partnership there. Yeah. Uh, Patterson and Minkalenko on the wingbacks did good as well. So... Sean Dice is finding some form. They're now five points clear above the drop zone, picking up two, three wins in their last five, which is great. But sanctions, Premier League potentially, they aren't going to give the verdict on this on this um, spending overload for FFP. But the Premier League is recommending a twelve point deduction, which would currently have them at negative two points. Uh, a third party investigator is going to come in and ultimately make the decision on that but what's the what's your stance on that everton situation okay uh my question is how about the 115 violations that manchester city uh have been you know charged with uh why are we going to dock everton 11 points when they've committed one uh or it's been one charge and manchester city have i'm not exaggerating 115 and have not been touched that's my question and maybe it's because city are at the top of the table they're a threat uh to arsenal and to uh my aspirations for a title sure maybe um but i think honestly any fan of the premier league 
should strive for parity and should strive for truthfulness and in operation of a club. I don't see how it's fair that Everton are like, they're progressing with the Everton thing uh, this quickly because I've heard a ton about it in the news and everybody's just forgotten about city. Uh, I, I don't know. Like that, that's my stance. How about we go through the docket? Whoever's committed the crimes first, those are the people that are dealt with. And then we find our way to Everton. You know, if they've even done anything wrong, it's it's not confirmed yet. Yeah, I think the the situation is every year a club's allowed to lose one hundred and five million dollars in revenue. And apparently in 2021, Everton went three hundred million over. So they're trying to figure out the reasoning why they spent that. And we're going to have to see how Everton finagle out of it. Obviously, they're going to mention covid and having to deal with that situation and little things here and there. So I don't think we're going to see 12 points deducted. If that, it might be a transfer ban. We saw this with Chelsea. They had a year ban in the transfer window. Um, Maybe some financial penalties. But I don't think we're going to see anything. That's probably the most severe punishment you can get is point deductions. No doubt. If if it's not resolved, um, I think they're saying it's going to be resolved as soon as the end of this year, potentially, which is crazy with the whole Man City situation. But yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't like to see that because Everton's a team that's that when you think of the Premier League, you think Everton, but it would be really crippling to lose even six to three points even because we've seen teams in the past get three point deductions and they got relegated that year by two points. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's something you don't want to see happen, but you, if you want to keep everything fair, everybody talks about fairness in the game in all aspects, and if you're not going to uphold the rules, then what the hell are they there for? Yeah, that's the truth. Okay, let's move on. Brighton won, Fulham won at the Falmer home game for Brighton, and Brighton lined up a bit differently. Uh, Igor, Dunk, and Webster across the back three at the back. Uh, Adingra and Matoma playing sort of as wingbacks, but honestly, they both stayed forward for a majority of the game. Lalana and Gross playing attacking mid, and then Evan Ferguson up top by himself. Uh, he's been fantastic so far this year when they've called on him, and he was the first player to score a goal in the game in the 26th minute. Uh, Evan Ferguson converted, and then it was quiet for a bit until Jao Palinha. Uh, who is honestly one of the only decent players that Fulham have left at this point, scored in the 65th. Um, really just a strange game. I mean, I thought this was an, an easy spot for Brighton. They're a much better side than Fulham. Uh, they've got much more you know, depth and attacking options off the bench. They've got Jao Pedro. They've got Insufati. Even that Facundo Buonanote, who scored a couple of times last season, uh, all those guys are players that can come off the bench and do a job. And they made quite a few subs. Uh, five players were substituted. Ferguson, uh, Kuma Baleba, Dahoud, Lalana, and Adingra all came off. Uh, and four of those attacking players uh, came on in Pedro, Gilmore, Fati, and Buonanote. But unfortunately, it was just too late. There was nothing uh, that Brighton could do to seal all three. Uh, And they did control the pace. They had 75% possession. They were the better team, no doubt. But I think they let uh, Fulham be a little bit too threatening in the attacking area. Uh, I would have liked them to apply a little bit more pressure, especially because I bet on Brighton on the day. Uh, But they just didn't do that. They, They kind of sat back and 
uh, Fulham were able to just nick that goal. And three at the back, I, I don't know. It's it's Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it doesn't work great. And I figured, you know, they lined up that way because they knew they'd control possession and they wanted more players in the midfield. But it was very strange. It, this was not one of Brighton's uh, more shining performances this year, I don't think. Credit to Fulham. They, they scratch a point yep. out of a tough team. But I'm looking here, Brighton, in their last seven games, have only picked up one win. Yeah, it's not they're, great. They're, they're, they're winless in their last four in the league. They've given up the fifth most goals in the entire league with 19, more than Man United, as we bag on them, giving up more than Everton, more than Forest. They haven't had a clean sheet all year. They sit in seventh position due to their offense being so good, but they're dealing with the ever same thing as Newcastle injuries to key players. March is out for an extended Senate period. Uh, and CISO, Welbeck, Estupignon's been out for a little bit. He's coming back soon. We've seen... Just like Arsenal, Brighton rotates goalies occasionally. So, and now we're seeing them changing formations as well. They're dealing with the Europa League as well. Dealing with that, their win, loss, and a draw in that competition. So, it's looking tough for Deserby. This is what we're talking about. These clubs that aren't used to the European schedule on top of the domestic league competitions. It's really affecting them and how their performances are. They're still doing what we thought they would finish in the top half, but it's really affecting long-term and they're not able to last full 90 minutes and they're letting the teams that they should be beating get results on them. Even this Fulham team who got rid of Mitrovic, they have not had anything close to a number nine in this team and it's affected their build-up play. And those there, these players can't even find any solid form, but still they managed to get a point on a team that is definitely better in our eyes. So um, I don't know what's going to go, what's going to happen in the next month with this Brighton team, especially in the Christmas window when things get become a really mess. So um, unfortunate here, we both thought Brighton would win, but Fulham scratch a point. And I've, in the 10 games Fulham has played, they haven't repeated a, a result yet. So when they win, they don't win again. It's always something different. So right now it's a win-loss and a draw. So they got Man United this week, so, and they already drew this game. So they're either going to win against United or they're going to lose. Yeah. Uh, okay. Aston Villa 3, Luton Town 1. Uh, only the own goal from Emmy Martinez in the 83rd uh, for Luton Town. They were not good on the day. One shot on target, 29% possession. Um, this was just another Aston Villa uh, masterclass. John McGinn in the 17th, Musa Diaby in the 49th. God, I love watching Diaby play. Uh, and a 62nd minute own goal from Tom Lockyer. Luton Town pulled that one back, like I mentioned, with the own goal from Emmy Martinez. But man, it it was just it was all Aston Villa. 17 shots, six of those on target, 70% possession, uh, pretty much full strength. Ollie Watkins not able to get involved at all. But uh, genuinely, I thought this was just uh, another masterclass from Villa. Un surprisingly. Uh, Nico Zaniolo is still in the team. Uh, he's part of that betting scandal, and we saw that the banhammer did come down on Sandro Tonali uh, and also on uh, Fagioli in, uh, in I think he plays for Juve, but definitely in Italy. Uh, I'm curious to see whether he's banned or not or if it comes later. Um, but, you know, he was subbed off, and he did get a yellow. He didn't contribute much to the game. I think Luca Digne and Matty Cash have been just absolutely sensational uh, on the wings and moving forward. 
uh, you know, at that that left back and right back position, respectively. And then their defense with Pal Torres and Ezri Kant, Ezri Kant at this point should be getting looks for the England squad. He has been absolutely fantastic. I think he's been very, very good. Um, they've got Diego Carlos on the bench who can always come off and, and slot in there. They've got Leon Bailey, Bertrand Traore, Tielemans. This Villa side is stacked. Um, they have a lot of really good players that they have on their bench. Unai Emery does a great job with squad rotation, does a great job getting the, the young guys time, uh, but mixing it up with experienced players who played in Europe. Uh, I think this Villa team is really going to be a team that sticks around the entire year. Uh, and Luton Town just absolutely horrific again. Uh, they're on five points in 18th. On the other hand, Villa in fifth on 22 points, two losses, seven wins, and a draw. Sensational form, four wins in their last five. And I believe they're doing okay in Europe as well. So hats off to Aston Villa. Uh, they've been great. Yeah, starting with Luton, just another bad result. They have earned five points out of the 10 games so far, which is the best of the newly promoted teams, but still isn't enough to keep them safe at the moment. Can't really find Carlton Morris to the ball as much as they would like. They they can only really score on penalties and set pieces, but they were given a gift here, which crushed me. Needed, needed a clean sheet for Kanza, but yeah. uh, wasn't meant to be. Villa, out of all the teams that are not a part of the the established big six, if you will, uh, have been doing the best. And I think that ultimately comes down to their manager, who is used to this type of schedule. He's played with, or not played with, but he's managed big clubs in multiple Power 5 leagues where they're playing in domestic as well as European schedule games. And he's used to it, and we're seeing this compared to Newcastle, Brighton, and West Ham. We're seeing... How they can they could they can handle playing on multiple fronts. They're doing well in the European standings, as you mentioned, and now we're seeing in the Premier League they're doing just as fine. If they're just if not, they're soaring. Um, seven wins out of ten games, getting a couple big wins over big clubs, and they're beating the shit out of the teams they should be. So, right now they're they're joint best offense in the Prem this year. It's with twenty six, the same as Newcastle and a, a massive 6-1 win over a Brighton team that's in a similar situation as them. So, yeah, enjoyable to watch. As you mentioned, good structure. Key players are playing well. Everybody knows their roles, and it seems like they have a couple players that are top quality off the bench. I mean, when you got a guy like Yuri Tillemans, who came in the summer from Leicester, and you're expecting him to have a massive role, and when he's struggling to find minutes, it just shows how well the starting 11 are playing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest 0. Um, unfortunate news out of Colombia where Luis Diaz's uh, parents, both of them, were kidnapped. They have retrieved his mother, but I believe his father is still missing. Uh, terrible stuff. Hate to hear that. Uh, and Diego Jota in the 35th minute, 31st minute rather, scored uh, and held up Luis Diaz's jersey. Very nice to see. Heartwarming stuff, I'm sure, uh, if you're a Liverpool fan or really just a football fan in general. Darwin Nunez scored in the 35th, and Mohamed Salah scored in the 77th uh, after rounding uh, Matt Turner, who had a bit of a stinker in this one. Nobody really expected Nottingham Forest to have any bit of a chance in this one. They're still uh, without Taiwo, you know, at full full strength. He did come on, but 
you could tell he's, he's not at full strength. He did suffer a bit of a knock a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and this is not a side, you know, when you look at it, they, they started with five at the back. They knew they were going to get pressured. Uh, Elanga's starting up top by himself. He's young. He's inexperienced. Uh, there's never going to be any chance that you can break down Van Dyke and Konate, uh, honestly, with, when you're just by, by yourself there. Soboslai, Gravenberch, and McAllister have been a revelation. I think that midfield, uh, upgraded midfield, has been you know, just revolutionary for Liverpool. They're able to play free-flowing ball and get the ball to three. Uh, you know, they have many, many extremely talented forwards. Gakpo, uh, as well as Luis Diaz, those two not featured heavily in this one, of course. But Jota, Nunez, and Salah is just a three-headed monster that you do not want to have to deal with at all. Uh, you've got five men at the back. They couldn't even remotely cope uh, with the pace and, and talent on the ball that those guys have. Great to see Salah get a goal at the end. Needed that in fantasy. Almost got me uh, to lead scorer uh, for the month, but unfortunately just not able to do it. Eight shots on target for Liverpool. 73% possession. This one went exactly how we would have expected. Seeing the new midfield shape up for Liverpool there with Gravenberch now getting some starts. He's looking great in form. Uh, scoring in their European match last Thursday. McAllister, Sobazlay on the day very well. It's just all around working for Liverpool and on a day where one of their teammates is in a terrible situation that you don't want anybody in. Um, they're there to support him every step of the way. And it's a great result for Liverpool as they continue their dominance. Um, keeping themselves in the top four, only three points from from first with Tottenham being there. And now we're seeing Forrest continue to put terrible results together. That's yeah. six games without a win in the league. Uh, that last win for them coming against Chelsea, of course. And Steve Cooper's trying to change some things here. He's trying to put the new signings in the team and make it work. We're seeing Sangari in there. Uh, that Dominguez is a big player that's starting to play more and more. Murillo in the back. He's trying to implement the new signings into the system with the other players that were succeeding last season. And it doesn't seem to be working as much. And they have no no drive forward where they have any there's any fear of them scoring on somebody right now. They've only scored 10 goals so far. Uh, given up 15, which isn't terrible, but... They need to find a way to win in these these games that they should be. Three straight draws against teams they should be getting points on, tying yeah. Luton, Palace, and Brentford. They need to get so they need to find that killer edge to kill teams off and, and really settle it down. And I mean, I don't know why he's taking guys like Gibbs White off and Willie Bolly, those guys being leaders and strong forces in this team that can earn results, whether it's getting a winner or making a great tackle to save them in the end. So I don't know. Maybe we've got some manager issues here. I don't see Steve Cooper going anywhere. He's done so much for the club. Yeah. But but uh, Matt Turner on that third goal, um, definitely contender for the player of the week. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, okay. Matt, tell us about United nil City 3. This was a pretty one-sided Manchester derby, and it's blue as it's been for many, many years now. Or Bobby Charlton rolling in his grave. Ah, uh, certainly. And, um, not a performance on a day where they brought out all of his former teammates onto the field, all in their mid to late eighties to support of their fellow, fellow man and legend of the club. It was a terrible showing. The team doesn't have any, any pizzazz, any 
character about them. It's very limp. I guess it's as good as their manager per, uh, presents himself to his team and the club as a whole. So um, start off in the start off okay. United was in the mix. They were doing okay. Weren't allowing City to play at their best, but Rasmin Hoyland on a free kick pulls down uh, Ruben Diaz. Uh, VAR comes in a minute later, gives them a penalty. Holland capitalizes, um, and from there, United didn't have too many good chances. Hoyland was in on a quick break off of Phil Foden, missed key pass back, and Man City showing their greatness. We were able to recover and put him off long enough to, to, to settle it there. And that was really United's best chance in the first half. Second half, Erling Holland in the 49th minute from Bernardo Silva cross off the back post header. I don't know how Holland's unmarked at the back post, but gets a second. And then late in the 80th, uh, Holland turns provider with a cut back to Phil Foden, make it 3-0. And I believe they said that was Man City's first penalty at Old Trafford in like 30-something years, too. So... Man City weren't really tested. United did as many changes as they could, and nothing nothing off the bench helped as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just they, Casemiro was absent here. You have the partnership of Johnny Evans and Maguire in the back. Didn't didn't add any. Didn't put any fear into Man City's attack. It was just it was it was a result we knew from the start that was going to happen and. You would expect in a derby for them to turn up a little bit, but all the big characters on the day you would expect to play well just didn't show up. Yeah. Um, I just... There's no... I I don't even think United know how they want to play. And when you're going against City, it doesn't make it any easier because they are the most well-drilled and and well-coached team probably in the world. I just... I don't know how you can trot Hoyland and Fernandez and Sofian fucking Amrabat out there and 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 think you have a chance. I mean, Varane was on the bench. They started Maguire and Evans. Lindelof is playing left back. Um, they don't have Juan Bissaka. Mason Mount's not even starting. They're putting Martial on later. It's even Garnacho, one of your only players who seems to play with any sort of passion whatsoever, starts on the bench. And Fernandez is playing, guess, right attacking mid, right midfielder. He doesn't have the pace really to be to be playing there. Um, he needs to be playing more centrally. We we haven't seen um, what's his name. Um, they've lost uh, Casemiro. Things are really, really bad at Manchester United. I think it's time for Ten Hag to either entirely switch the vision or maybe even just move on. Uh, even at the top-down level, you're looking at the boardroom. It's a, it's a nightmare uh, with Ratcliffe, and they're trying to sell the club. They're not selling the club. The Glazers, it, the whole thing is a fucking mess. You can't, as a United fan, expect your team to do anything in this match, and we certainly, as non-United fans, didn't expect them to do anything. Uh, it's just been really bad, and I have to say, with Bruno Fernandez, I'm 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 so tired of watching him. He's got his hands up. He's bitching about every single call. He's a whiner. He's a moaner, and he only plays for himself. He, you know, we used to call him Fernandez. He took a lot of pens. He scored a lot of goals. He got a lot of assists. But he runs around 
when they're pressing after they lose the ball, he just runs around. He wants it to seem like he's doing something, even though he's genuinely not doing anything whatsoever. And I'm glad he's not getting any clout this season because he's been absolutely fucking shocking. I don't think he's a great player. When you look at some of the other, you know, fantastic attacking mids in this league, he doesn't stack up the same way. Um, And he's my worst player of the week. I mean, we'll get to that, but fucking hell, I hate watching him play. Five wins, five defeats, no draws. They have a negative five goal differential, which is the worst in the top half of the table. They still sit eighth position. They're only three points off sixth place, which is shocking. But any big game, it seems like they're really struggling. And then against the teams they should be winning, they're just earning the points by the skin of their teeth, it seems like, in late fashion. So it's not a recipe for success. It's going to lead to more drama. And as the the fixtures pile up more and more for them, um, it's just going to add on to it. And I mean, the fact that they're in the, the Champions League as well is is, is going to be an issue too. So um, I don't know if they're going to make it through in that. I don't know if making it through is going to be wise, really. But I don't know. It's just he needs to find his best 11 and stick to it. It doesn't help when you, your whole back line's injured, but he needs to stop with the rotation. We've seen a like four or five different partnerships in that midfield three, and there's no chemistry really going forward for them. So um, you brought in Mason Mount for a reason. You fought hard for him. He wanted to force the move, and the fact that there doesn't seem like there's a plan for him is 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 just showing the recruitment of the club is is just not. Is not good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, ugly, ugly stuff out of Manchester in this one. Um, I just don't know how I feel because I don't want to see City be successful, but um, I also don't want to see United like win anything whatsoever because they've already done plenty of that in their, you know, long reign as champions of the Premier League, pretty much. Um, but at the same time, it's like. You don't you don't want to see this was the team that growing up like was on my TV on the you know in the morning because it was the only games the only prem games that were really broadcasted on Fox Soccer and stuff like that. Man, how how much they've fallen. It's been very, very tough to watch. Um but I'm just I'm conflicted because if they keep playing like this, they don't fucking deserve anything, you know. Uh okay uh matt let's let's do our best and worst players of the week you already know who mine was but i'll say it again all right let me hit him with it yep. best player i'm the best man i did it uh yeah i gotta give it to i gotta give it to eddie and ketia um i i owe him a significant apology uh i i failed to write one out i i was supposed to do that but i got up a little bit late Eddie Nketiah has shown up this season when we've needed him. Uh, never a bitch or a moan when he doesn't start. He's been really good in front of goal. Even good, you know, producing chances. I, I, I used to say that it was a disgrace that he was wearing the four, the number fourteen shirt. I still think it is. That that jersey should not be worn by anybody uh, at this club for the remainder of history. To be fair. Uh, that is Henri's number. That's it's only his. And and Katia, you know, did a great service to him in wearing 14 on this day. 
uh, has performed just absolutely fantastically when we've called on him. Uh, I think he's got six or seven goals on the season, which is quite good. Uh, and I just, you know, I owe him an apology because I, I, I didn't rate him. I probably still don't rate him as highly as I should. He is a fantastic backup striker. He's young. Uh, he's been with the team for as long as I can remember. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy uh, that we have a player like him that we can bring off the bench or call on and use in a wide position, use in a central position, and he's going to give you everything he has. Uh, have to give it to him. Congratulations on the hat trick, Eddie. Probably could have had four if you'd, if you'd have liked it. Um, very, very good performance from him, even if it was against Sheffield. Yeah, Zach agreed. He took and catch you for his best player. For my best player, for I think the second or the first person to be my best player for this uh, multiple times this year, go Erling Holland. Yeah. Uh, dominates Man- Manchester. He yeah. is Manchester. Um, three goals last year against them. Now two here with an assist. I mean, the guy is on, he is inevitable. He is Thanos. Um, just a, an absolute cyborg. It's, there's, there's no words that you can, there's no words that you could say that people haven't said already about him and what he is to Man City is 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 just uh which makes them complete. So Yep. Alright, we move to the other side here. I am having a very bad day. I am in no more. Uh for me, starting off, gotta go with Matt Turner. Already yeah. alluded to it. Uh watching the clip of that. Um I didn't watch the full game, had to drive up the road. We mentioned on top of the show for my little guys but saw a clip of that moment for him um doesn't help nah. that he represents america over there and um having a moment like that against liverpool where more eyes are on you is unfortunate so um matt turner just just get get some sleep on that we move on there's gonna be better results for him there and um we need you for this gold, or uh, sorry, for the Copa America this summer. We need you at your best. So let's let's forget about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then mine. I mean, we're we're gonna give it to uh, to Bruno Fernandez, fake fake baller, uh, fake guy, uh, bitcher, moaner, complainer. Did absolutely nothing in this game besides get himself a yellow card uh, and cry to the refs and run around like he's trying to do something, even though he's genuinely not making any sort of effect on the game whatsoever. <clears throat> Excuse me. His performance is actually making me sick. Um, until he starts to score pe- you know, useless penalties again, uh, which is what he used to do, uh, I, I don't want to hear anything about Bruno Fernandez or Bruno Fernanch. Uh, as the FIFA announcers call him, I am just sick and tired of him. What an absolute fraud. Yeah. Once again, Zach put his second of the year there. He's got United's attack. Yeah, shit. Page, shit. counterattacks, lack immediate threat. Poor on the day against City. Never stood a chance. Correct. Well said, Zach. I do feel bad for Zach. I mean, he's been a staunch supporter of Manchester United his whole life. It's got to be very hard for him to watch this. Yeah, well, they're still ahead of Chelsea. So. Well, I know, and I've uh, we all have had to deal with this. Like you're dealing with it now as well with Chelsea, and I I dealt with it for fucking years and years and years with Arsenal. So you know, everybody has their time in the sun. Everybody uh, also has to deal with you know the rain, and it's certainly some rain there in Manchester. 
Okay. Uh, shall we move to our picks for the week? Yep. We got eight games. Or no, we have seven Saturday. We have two on Sunday. And then we have the Monday night uh, derby there. So 10 total. Uh, a couple of really good ones here. Uh, Fulham versus Manchester United not being one of the good ones. Uh, Fulham go to... Actually, it's a home game. So they'll be at Craven Cottage versus Manchester United. United currently in 8th on 15 points. Fulham uh, all the way down in 14th on 12th. Only 3 points separate these two teams, which is wild. Uh, center of the table is just a super continent of teams separated by 3 points. Uh, I'll take United in this one. I think they're due for a win. Uh, but I'm really not confident about it. I think this is just, you know, something will fall for them. It's not going to be convincing, but I think they get three points. Zach's taking United. I'm going to take United there. Second second thoughts about it, but I just think they're going to find a way. It's going to be a hard-fought game. Fulham's a scrappy team. Shao Paulina in the middle is somebody that will probably dominate this game, but I think they get a penalty somewhere or... There's a, a red card given to Fulham to United's favor here, so I'm gonna go with the way dog here. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Next game, you have the first pick here: Brentford versus West Ham. Game is at the GTEC, so home game for Brentford. Coming off a big win over Chelsea, West Ham coming off a loss over Everton. West Ham on a bad run of games now. I think that's three straight in all comps with losing. Um, now without. Paqueta and Alvarez, due to suspension, card accumulation, they'll miss this game. And Brentford at home are no joke that the G-Tech. Um, so I'm going to go with Brentford here, and so is Zach. Yeah, I'll go with West Ham. Uh, they're, they're having a tough run right now. Uh, they've got two losses in their last two. The other one before that was a draw. I think West Ham are due for a bounce back. Brentford have looked really poor, I'd say, all season outside of the last two matches they've had. Um, where they've been able to nick results. I'll take West Ham. I think they win this one at the G-Tech. Um, okay. Up next, Manchester City versus Bournemouth. Doesn't matter where the game is. It's at the Etihad as well. Uh, we'll take City. I mean, they're just going to absolutely pump Bournemouth, no doubt about it. 3-0, 4-0. Could be 7-0. Who knows? Yep, Man City for for, for us, us too as well. Okay, cool. Um, next one... We have Sheffield versus Wolves. Uh, Matt, who do you have here? Going with Wolves. So is Zach. Um, I'm a little iffy with Neto being absent for the first time, seeing how this Wolves team plays. But it's it's just hard to think of anything positive for this Sheffield team. McBurney should be back here, which is a definite boost for them going forward <laughs> as an outlet and a target man. But... Um, the only thing going for them really is Wolves have only kept one clean sheet. Yeah. So I think it will be close. I don't think Wolves pull away too much, but I think Wolves just nick it on the road here. Yeah, I'm going to take Wolves too. Uh, I'm thinking maybe they'll slot Wang He Chan out to the left or the right. Um, he can play in those wide positions as well. Uh, probably going to lose, excuse me, a little bit of effectiveness because he's used to playing striker uh, the past couple weeks. But I think with Cunha up there, uh, you still have enough of an attacking force, honestly. I'll take Wolves. I mean, Sheffield just looked so poor against Arsenal last week, uh, and Wolves are playing much, much better this season. So I, I don't really know how uh, you can go with anybody but Wolves. <laughs> they, they could start that Kolesinac, dude. It's like 6-7. Yeah, Sasha Kolacic. He, he could start up top. They, I mean, Kuyu can play in the wide areas as well. He can also drop back. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't think that would be a terrible idea either, to be honest. Okay, Burnley versus Crystal Palace. Um, this one at Turf Moor. Burnley in desperate need of some points. Uh, they've got four losses in their last five, the other one being a win. Uh, Crystal Palace, two losses in their last two. Uh, so neither of these teams in great form at the minute. I think Crystal Palace are a better team, but I'm going to take a draw. Uh, they're just struggling right now going forward. They're still not going to have Elise and Eze in this game. So uh, Burnley should be able to nick a point from this one, and they desperately need it uh, to jump closer to Luton Town, who are in 18th on five points as well. Uh, I'll go with a draw. I'm going with a draw as well. Zach's taking Palace. Ever, or Burnley in five home matches so far this year in the league. 0-5, only scored four goals. They've given up 16, whereas Palace on the road have not have done pretty good. Two wins, a draw, and two defeats. So I do lean towards Palace here, even without all those key guys. I still think they're they're going to score a couple, but I think Burnley find a way here. Hopefully Lyle Foster is available. They desperately need him to get goals, and uh, I think they share a point on the day. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next one, Everton versus Brighton. Uh, at Goodison Park, gonna be hard fought, Matt. Who do you have here? I'm um, I'm taking Brighton. Yeah. I think at Goodison, it's tough, but Everton do struggle at home for some reason. Uh, Zach's gonna go with a draw here. He thinks Seagulls continue poor form. Um, I just think the with Matoma out there, he's gonna be cutting up on Patterson, who struggles. We saw him last year; he really struggled against Matoma. So I think that's gonna be a mismatch going forward. Brighton's gonna go down the left side heavily, and I think that's gonna cost him. So I think I am gonna take Brighton as well. Um, Matoma's not been as effective in the past couple of starts as he was at the beginning of the season and into last season. I think he's due for a really good game. I think, like you said, Patterson's going to struggle uh, to contain him. Uh, maybe a dinger gets loose in this one if they play him in the same position as he did last week. Right now, really do. I think if they start Evan Ferguson up top, they've got a great chance uh, to break down that Everton back line. And unless we get a you know a howling, sensational performance out of uh, DCL, which, to be fair, he has been in great form, uh, I, I just don't see Everton you know winning this game or even scoring on Brighton. So... Uh, I'll I'll go with the Seagulls as well. Uh, next match, probably match of the week, maybe maybe not behind Tottenham and Chelsea, but Newcastle take on Arsenal at St James Park. Tough place to play for Arsenal. Um, I believe we managed a nil nil with them last year, and then we beat them as well. Um, Arsenal are the favorite; they're unbeaten. This is a tough tough match. We need to get three points here. Um. I'll take Arsenal. I think we can do it. Uh, Newcastle looked very, very um, susceptible last week against Wolves, we'll say. And I think Arsenal are able to get the job done here. So we'll go with my Gunners. Yeah, I'm taking Arsenal. So is Zach. I don't think it's, it's going to be as hard of a game as you think. I think with the limited options Newcastle have, it's really going to show in that midfield. And... The back line is going to have issues as well. Trippier and Dan Byrne haven't had as good of a year as they did last. And, I mean, Bukayo Saka on Dan Byrne is always a tasty matchup. So we're going to we're, we're gonna see Saka cook, I think. Cool. Uh, Nottingham Forest versus Aston Villa up next. Um, Villa in great form at the minute. Uh, only have two losses this year. They've got four wins in their last five games. Nottingham Forest coming off a terrible defeat against Liverpool. Uh, they've not been great so far this season, although they have registered 10 points. 
Uh, Matt, who do you have here? This one's fairly straightforward, right? Yeah, Villa for me, Villa for Zach. Uh, we have a team that's free flow and is scoring for fun, if not creating great opportunities on multiple occasions. And you're, they're going up against a team that it's tough to play at home with the great crowd and supporters, but they're struggling to score. And Villa right now don't seem to have any cracks. So got to go with the villains. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Aston Villa as well. I mean, just this doesn't really make sense to take anybody but them. I think they've been in great form and they continue it here. Uh, Luton Town versus Liverpool up next. I'll take Liverpool in that one. I mean, Mo Salah should absolutely fillet this team. Yeah, this could be a potential six-goaler for, for Liverpool here. We could see we could see Klopp rotate here, um, playing some second-choice guys, potentially with Elliot getting a start up there. Um, we're probably not going to see Diaz again until his family's um, safely found in Hull. And, um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool for me, Liverpool for Zach. Um, we're going to see him play at, at um, Kent, Kent Row. What is it? What's that? Luton Stadium. Oh, K- K- Kenil- Kenilworth Road, I think. Yeah, Kenilworth. So we're going to see them packed in there in the turnstiles. Uh, Mo Salah cutting it up in your local neighborhood backyard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be like a five-a-side match. Okay. Uh, and then the final game of the week, Tottenham versus Chelsea. Uh, is this game at the bridge? No, it no. is at Hotspur Stadium. So Chelsea uh, going cross town to Tottenham, uh, a bit of a West London derby. Uh, who do you have here? Zach's taking Spurs. I am taking a draw here. Yeah. I think we stunt their season so far. I think we set them back. We're going to allow City and Arsenal back in the mix. Liverpool as well. Um, we could see. Three teams tied top of the league. Um, it, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think Poch being close to the club is going to add an effect on this game. Tottenham at home are so far this year and the end of last year have looked unstoppable, but this is my biggest derby when it comes to Chelsea. I hate Tottenham the most. Caicedo uh, needs to be on his A game to do any damage against Madison if we can take him out of the game even 50%. I think that's going to help allow us to stick it out. And we're going to really see what our attack does against a stable back line. And potentially we got to put them in situations where they give us set pieces that we can capitalize on. Um, Nico Jackson, this is a massive moment for him against two defenders. One is an absolute speed demon in Vandevin and another guy who will... Um, take your head off at any moment in Romero. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big moment for them. So I don't hopefully want us to be embarrassed, but as long as we're in this game, it's gonna show some steps forward for us after an unfortunate defeat. I think Brentford. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Poch gets the boys up for this one. Um Tottenham fans are still, you know, it seems like they're a little bit uh, bitter about Poch and him coming to Chelsea now and, and not having come back to, to them instead. Um, I mean, they shouldn't be. They've got arguably the best manager in the Prem right now behind, behind uh, excuse me, behind Guardiola. Um, I think I think Poch gets them off for this game. I think they defend well. I think this one's a draw. Uh, if you take Madison and Son out of the game, Tottenham uh, shouldn't really have all that many other options really to to perform. Mudrick should be back. Um, so 
hopefully, you know, he's a bit more of a threat going forward. Nico Jackson, I think, is going to have a really tough time against those two uh, center halves. But uh, it, it's possible that, that Chelsea even nick a win. I, I think Tottenham are extremely oh. due. They, they are extremely due for a disappointing performance. Um, yeah. They've obviously been like unstoppable this year. We have to give it to them. They've been sensational. They've been very good at home. Um, they're well drilled. They're very passionate. And I think Son and Madison have just been, you know, world class so far. Uh, that Madison signing is looking like signing of the season. He's he's really been able to unlock Son and find him in wide positions and interior positions. Um, but if you take those two out of the game and Chelsea are are able to defend well, then I think this one could could absolutely uh, go a different direction than everybody's expecting. I'll I'll take a draw. Um, but I I like Chelsea to to really play well and and show that uh they're they're not totally dead um i believe that's it um thank you guys for listening uh make sure you check us out on social media uh on twitter and instagram you can also find all past episodes of the show on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts uh plenty of midweek action as well uh in the company cup cup so hopefully all of your teams do well in there um, and then well on the weekend. We will see you guys back uh, next week. Going to be a different time, probably later recordings these days because I'm starting a, a new gig. But uh, don't worry, we'll be here. Uh, again, thanks for listening, and we will see you all uh, next week. <laughs>